0: Italian Wine Podcast. Chin, chin with Italian Wine People.
1: Hello, my name is Monty and This is the Italian Wine Podcast. My guest today is Paul Maybrae. Paul is described by industry insiders as a digital futurist. What are they talking about? Well, that is the rumor I'm... Um
0: I'm the guy that sees around the corner and what's going to happen next for the wine industry, and uh, tries to bring that technology to the wine industry to help them succeed.
1: Okay, so what is going on now and what are your predictions for the future?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, there's um, a lot more e-commerce than we've ever seen in the United States market and social media is being used in ways that are helping the wine industry leapfrog centuries of uh, bad regulations, or not centuries, but <laughs> decades of bad regulations. So yes, amazing. New tools and technologies to, to catalyze it. So, you're talking about regulation, you're talking about selling of wine. That's aren't you?
1: right. Yep. I am in the United States market, so that's where I'm particularly an expert in. Okay. So, where you have this um, three tier system of imported distributor and final seller with a you know, retailer or a restaurant, or whatever. That's exactly right. It's a mess. So, how can you, what is the reality now, and the, what are the challenges now for producers in that specific American three tier system, and what opportunities do you see arising for them in the future?
0: Well, I think market access is a, clearly a problem. I mean, there's 200,000 wineries in the world. In the United States, there's 700 wholesalers, but there's really only 5 to 10 of any mean. So you have 200,000 producers trying to go through five to ten wholesalers. it's just, it's not sustainable, and that, you know, the market pressures will break that, as they have done in every other market.
1: So when you say break it, you mean that there will be more distributors that will, will found themselves, that will create themselves, that will buy themselves a, a phone connection and an internet site and a little brand name and an office somewhere and start importing and selling wine? Or, or no, I think the internet, I think
0: the internet, you know, nature finds a way. I think that all of the great innovation that's happened has been disintermediation, so there'll be some tech company, a business-to-business platform, or wineries going straight to consumer using technical tools, they'll be leveraging the, that technology to access the customer directly or to jump over the wholesaler. And
1: that's uh, inevitable. But aren't wineries often terrible self-promoters? I mean, I, I live in Italy and finding Italian wineries that have coherent, just a, even a coherent website with a with a link that works or a phone number that somebody's actually going to pick the phone up with. Isn't that just a, a nightmare? It is the plague of the wine industry and it exists in the U.S. as well. But
0: I think we're a more avant-garde and we're teaching the world there's a different way and, and that's why i'm here in italy to, to kind of share those insights
1: so how can digital help in tangible ways either a wine producer in a foreign country as a country outside of the usa sure how could it help a producer within the usa and how can it help consumers and producers link whether the buyer the end user the drinker actually has some kind of contact or knowledge of the wine that he or she is about to buy or has bought. That's a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry about <laughs> that's that. All right. um, I get paid extra for asking good, long good.
0: questions. It's nice. paid by the word. That's amazing. Um, so uh, digital is a big word. A big, you know, it's a big bucket, my friend. So saying digital, there's so much included in that. Everything from, you know, search engine marketing to uh, social media to business insights to e-commerce. So I, I'd say that. Let me put it a little differently. Uh, everyone that's in a first-world country buys e-commerce. Everyone that's in a first world country, uh, uses social media. Almost every single person in a first world country has a smartphone. We are a digital society. We are a digital community. And we use these tools every day in our basic existence.
1: And to ignore them is that we are risking our own peril, our own digital Darwinism. Okay. So basically, digital is here and it's here to stay. And it's up to everybody to get to accept that, not fight against it and use it. If you don't, it's inevitable. I mean, you've seen that in every other industry. In the United
0: States, the Fortune 100 companies, over 70% have changed in the last 20, years and most of them due to digital disruption, right? So whether you have Amazon and all these new companies coming in and taking out bookstores like Barnes & Noble, you know, it's just the change is inevitable. You just have to be there and do the hockey stick and and adjust with it. And some companies are great, like Starbucks. They're amazing. They work really hard and they spend a lot of money in R&D. They spend a lot of money testing new things to learn about the customer. And as a result, they're very successful with, they were the first ones to implement mobile payments and
1: speed up getting a cup of coffee, right? They call it their digital flywheel. But you mentioned we're digital animals, but we are also social animals. We, we evolved by eating and shitting and <laughs> and shagging in caves and then confined spaces. So the idea that we're all we suddenly going to live in our own di- <laughs> yeah right. Well, I don't know about you, cave. Uh, not really. Some odd places, but um, <laughs> maybe not in a cave. Only because caves are quite hard to find. Yes. But I mean, you know, there is that aspect that uh, you know we love the digital technology, but we are sociable animals. So and you mentioned Starbucks. People go to Starbucks for two reasons you know, to get a cup of coffee or something to eat, but also to sit down and chat and either meet a stranger, strangers, or go there with your friends. So how does that, how does that digital mix work for wine, which is a social drink? Well, I, it's so funny you
0: say that because, you know, all the, the digital tools are just one part of the equation to communicate at scale with your customers and create lots of thin connections, but, and they're ways to help you understand your customers better, right? And the whole goal of this is actually to become more human and actually bring it down to a more human experience. So while we have all these amazing tools, are actually helping us understand a way that I can learn more about you and a better relationship, a sales relationship with you. That I know you like red wines versus white wines. I know that you like pick pool as an oddity. I, I know that you drink on Sunday nights with your wife, or you know all of these different elements, so I can help target you. I know it's your birthday via a Twitter and social media. I know that you change jobs via LinkedIn. These are all small indicators to help me do a better job to so say, hey, you just changed jobs. Let's send you a coupon, you know, to
1: celebrate your new job. But again, that is all. I mean, that can be potentially very useful. The flip mm-hmm. side of that is some people say, so that's really intrusive. A lot of people still possibly don't understand just how much information, for example, Google or Facebook or Twitter, whoever it has on you. Will there not be, we love the convenience in Amazon, for example, buying Whole Foods, a digital platform, buying a uh, bricks and mortar um, shop so that they can combine, get the best of both worlds. Is is just the purely digital route maybe missing the physical, human, tactile side of the relationship? I I, I wouldn't say
0: that I'm excluding the physical, tactile relationship. I'm saying that you want to use those tools to create a better relationship. So when I use a digital tools and understand your Twitter, I might be picking up the phone to call you and say, "Hey, I know it's your birthday." I may be compiling a mailing that goes to you that says, "Hey, it's your birthday." I'm, I'm using these examples, but these are like very basic. It's not it's not one bake, but the digital amount of it. And the ability to use that data, the ability to use those tools, whether it's email marking, whether it's text, and get them in your phone, its whether it's um, social media targeting, where you can say, I want people that look like you and act like you because we can tell that through algorithms so I can find more of you and I can get more, more relationships of the people that I think like.
1: God, I'd love to see the algorithm about me. I'm <laughs> 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 <Just get me. laughs> So, I mean, when, you, when you, I mean, how do you work? Do you actually go and pitch your, your stuff to wineries in person? How does it work? How so, do you make money? How do you survive? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, I'm a software CEO. Um, I founded two software
0: companies, one called Wine Direct and one called Vintank. Uh, wine Direct was the first ever e-commerce platform for wineries. And what I mean by that is whenever you bought wine from a winery, that software powered it. So, you go to Mandavi and you buy the wine and that Vintank would be on the back end, right? So, that was a way to help them do a better job and get in. Uh, Vintank was a social media management platform. So anytime anyone said anything about wine on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Foursquare, whatever it was in the world, I would route those conversations to that winery like a phone. So they, they knew that that customer was calling on that phone, that phone may have been called Twitter or that phone may have been called Instagram, and they could choose to respond or not because I felt that they were missing out on these amazing chances to talk with customers.
1: How did you get, I mean, how did you
0: get the knowledge to develop the software? You were born in Washington State. Yes, I was born in Washington State. My parents moved uh, to Napa when I was very young. And but were they tech? techies? Uh, yeah, my dad is. He's, he's, he was an electric engineer, so he'd bring home a computer and I got to nerd out. And my first job uh, when I went to college at UCLA was with a man called John Wright uh, who founded Domain Chandon USA. And he saw me working on my laptop. I was uh, managing a restaurant going on my way to, to, to college and he said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, "Oh, well, I'm working on these uh, equations in Excel and uh, trying to figure out my cost ratio. And he goes, oh, you're, you're a smart kid. I need a sales guy in LA. And I, I needed a job. So I, I, I said, yeah, Yes, but I—I uh, I was a horrible salesman, and I knew it going into the job. So I actually programmed my own CRM, customer relationship manager. So it would tell me, by the way hey, Paul's been to uh, uh, this restaurant twice, and uh, they bought two cases, they like cigars. So really simple s- CRM, right? But it was enough to make me the best sales guy in the region, suddenly the best sales guy on the West Coast, and then vice president in 2023, 20, uh, I think I was. Um, and then I went to work for uh, Nibom Coppola, the winery, because I, I went to film school, so I wanted to get back into film. But I loved wine, I loved the money I was making. And I worked uh, directly for the CEO, Earl Martin, who was great, and he, he kind of made me his skunk works guy, which is uh, what Skunkworks, which is uh, you start these little projects that are supposed to become something amazing, right? So you write the business plan, you operation. I got to work on the ERP system, enterprise, uh, uh, the big the big software that worked on the back. I got to work on sales, and then he gave me this really ugly project back then, which was called a wine club. And no one liked to do wine clubs back then. And I was like, oh man, I don't want this job. Okay, but the wine clubs back then, hand people were hand keying in credit cards. It's ridiculous, right? And, and and they had sheets of paper who the wine. Club members were. It was it was obscene. And so I called, I, I went to a, a bookstore. Yeah, no, it's serious. I went to a bookstore and uh, the guy that wrote Sequel for Dummies and I called him. I said, hey, I need you to program a wine club processing software. And I'm going to build a, a wine club about experiences, not just about wine. And we were the fastest growing wine club at the time. I think we went to like 3,000, 6,000 members in six months. It was just, it was obscene, right? We had to make a non-wine wine club because we were not prepared of how fast it was growing. And then I became a dot communist like everybody else <laughs> I joined WineChopper.com, which was a big uh, online sales which merged with wine.com and uh, they both in the end they, they bellied up so I rode the Titanic all the way uh, to, <laughs> into Why the water did, what went wrong with those two companies I mean, that wasn't your fault though was no it? no no I was they raised 400 million dollars I was you know one of 400 employees or something like that and they, you know it was no way my fault. I was a young kid. I drank the Kool-Aid. I thought we were going to sell every bottle of wine on the internet the day it turned on. And the day it turned on, it's like, one, two. <laughs> we're spending millions of dollars advertising. We're barely getting any sales. So that was the early dot-com bubble. That's But why. wasn't the problem there with wine.com about distribution? So the early wine.com problem was... not it was as much about distribution as it was. All of those dot-coms were really early about things that they were trying to do. And the market, so they had to build all this infrastructure that spent all this money. They had to learn how e-commerce worked, right, and how to sell it. And a lot of them failed pretty on petfood.com. You can name all these. And you see the second wave of these happening right now. And they're actually succeeding now because, A, consumer behavior is better, B, the technology is faster, C, all of the infrastructure that was built by that first wave, we all stand on the, the shoulders of giants, even if they failed, right?
1: Stage three will be what? What would it look like?
0: You know, I, we're continuing to get better in the pocket. I think that all of this stuff that's happening in the pocket is amazing. What do you mean in the pocket? You Meaning your cell phone, your your mobile phone, the smartphone. It's it's becoming a supercomputer in your pocket. It's just, it's unbelievable and I think, I'm interested in how this internet of things starts to play with us. You know, it, it seems a little nonsensical now but how does our sweater talk to us that, you know, when it's, and I know that sounds weird or like how do I get a, a lens in my eye, you know, the, not on my but like a contact lens and I get to see over the store this one's on sale and this one's not based upon that computer. It's actually really amazing when you think about it. I'm struggling with the voice stuff but I think that's also coming very fast
1: too. Voice recognition.
0: Yeah, you know, how you talk to everything, your Alexa, Your, you know. Your phones, your Siri, your Cortana, whatever. <laughs>
1: So I think you're probably the first true kind of hipster computer geek dude that I've met. Oh really? West Coast, yeah. You got all the. I mean, you're born in Washington, but you got all the credentials. Just you, the way you're dressed, you kind of just look like a cashmere suit. Sw- <laughs> <Are> yeah, <you? laughs> kind of just hipster geeky, you know, jeans and sneakers and and that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And a, And a sort of, I don't know what the beard, the chin beard thing, but yeah, a soul patch, yeah. That what it's good. called? That's what it is. It's yeah. called soul patch. This yeah. is forty-six years of growth, by the way. <laughs> right really? I yeah. No, I'm. I. I yeah. I, I'm struggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't grow very good facial But you her, obviously right? love what you do. I and, do. Um, you know, you kind of are a sort of very likable geek. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. I like, like geek as chic is what I told my wife. Right. Okay. I, 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 got you got a wife. I do. I have a right. I have That a wasn't presumably an online, like, you didn't find each other online, did you? No, no, we didn't. Ah, no, no, we didn't. so I, uh, there is a chink in your armor. Yeah, yeah. Ah, you can't do everything
0: online. <laughs> no, you can't do everything oh, online. Oh, we yeah, got yeah. him there. I, yeah, I'm sure that I was I was older, though, so I, a lot of people use Tinder, so maybe I don't know. I don't. But yeah. Your wife
1: isn't going to listen to this. You did use Tinder. I did not. Uh, no, I don't. I don't. And I didn't. Yeah. Right. Okay, we're going to we're gonna put that <laughs> Move on, the, on, yeah. put that We'll put that on the deposition. <laughs> um, I mean, you do make it sound inevitable and convenient and easy and sensible. And anybody that has any kind of two brain cells is going to accept your view, the futurist, the digital futurist's view of the future. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? It's, Where are the fault lines? The fault lines are actually our industry is the last industry
0: that should not be changed by the internet. It really is. It's actually the wine industry. The yeah. wine industry. But isn't that because wine is heavy and fragile and subject no, to regulation? Oh, no, it's because we. There's a lot of factors to it actually. Strawberry. Uh, with fear. Fear is one for sure. Tradition yeah. is another. Life. The life cycle. How we think of it. mean, you know, we, we, we we operate in years, right? We, yeah. We're annually, right? And we're, we're an annual thinker, and not, and not in a bad way. But we wait for harvest. It goes through that process, right? We, we live in a very competitive set. I mean, it is the most competitive consumer goods product in the world. It, a consumable consumer. It's like two hundred thousand brand, you know, brand. That's a lot, and if you think about how many wines they make, let's say they make five
1: wines each. That's a million wines every year that are being made. Yeah, or more probably. Probably more, yeah. Of different, sing, of different wines Yeah, like single vineyard, like one uh, Burgundy yeah. estate may, may make thirty-five wines.
0: Exactly, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's, but it's we have to figure out a better way, right? How to help to get to the consumer.
1: But it's really the winery's inability to move forward. That's that's been. Sting. I mean, you so say there are you know, we talk about all these thousands, hundreds of thousands of wines. There are hundreds of thousands of wineries around. You can't actually physically go and knock on everybody to say, hi, you should redo your website, think about e-commerce, digital commerce, etc. So how are you going to get stuck in the wool, old-fashioned farmers, be they male or female, to accept the inevitability, to accept the futurist view that you hold that is based, it seems, on... I stand on, on stage it. a lot. I stand yeah, on stage you, a lot. I stand, on stage, if, lot. I stand if, on stage a lot. But That's these g- old, old fart wine growers are going to sit on that. They've got a chance of hearing some hipster dude from the West Coast who, quotes thinks he knows everything and I've got a lot of shit to do in my yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to spend my day... Plowing or spraying, or we're going to go see, see this guy. There's a couple good
0: things about that. So I come from a very interesting perspective. I think one of the reasons the why Street trusts and believes me is because my wife's the CEO of a winery, and if I wouldn't implement it on her winery, her winery? Her
1: winery is called Cornerstone Cellars. Well, I'm yeah. going to go online when this interview. If I can't order at least four cases delivered within four hours, I'm calling you back, okay. and i are going to redo this. I will. Interview. I will get you some wine. not allowed to do that's cheating. You got, like,
0: but I, I have to convince her to. Change. Too. She's a traditionalist as well. So I have the same challenge at home. So I get practice at home a lot and then get to you. Do you not like
1: have a fridge where it tells you your tomatoes are going to go rotten in 2.3 we days? We have a lot of 60... smart home
0: stuff. Yeah. But now like what?
1: Lou roll? The, the beeper goes off like the Lou the, the, in the John. The Lou roll needs changing. So we have a couple of those. The dash no, button. you don't. Seriously. <laughs>
0: we have a couple of those things. I like that. Yeah. We have do the, you have any kids? Yeah, we do. We have four yeah, children. So you obviously obviously, the kind of
1: contraception app didn't work no, in it, your case, it, did it? it? Or it did work, actually. You know,
0: the timing was right. You know, you're measuring right. the timing. Right. Or it did work, right? The Glow app did work. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it is called. The what glow. does that mean? It's, it's, uh, it's, I a, can a, it's a woman's app that tracks all of her stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Luggage and uh, and ovaries. Yeah. Everything. Again. Yep. Fantastic. Right. So. Well, that's it. we well. <laughs> yeah. We have actually got The one podcast has got a sort of medical division, and we'll, we'll just spin that one off to that one. Good, okay. okay. Paul, it's been great talking yeah, to amazing, you. Um amazing, brother. Thank um, you. I'd like to get you back on the show again in a couple of years to see how things are going and see if your vision is coming true. And I think it probably will. It uh, yeah, so far, yeah, though. And some of us um, traditionalists, I only got a smartphone about three years ago. You looked at me with a whole... look of horror <laughs> on your face. You did, didn't I you? did, I, mean, really? I did, I totally did. <laughs> I, I was like, wow. My, none of my friends could believe
0: it. I can't believe it either. Yeah. You're like using a computer, you got a great Mac, and you're you like... You I had yeah. a Mac
1: in 94, or something, 95. So why didn't you want a smartphone? Because uh, I'm a stubborn... I just didn't think I needed one. Okay. No, I just didn't think I needed one. Do, do you like, Now that you have one, are, are, do you feel... Yeah, but it's fucked my eyes up. I mean, you know, you need but it is useful. I mean, if you're you know you're late, you can call somebody and say I'm going to be late, darling. You know, or if you need the, any information, you have the Library of Alexandria in your pocket. Right. There's okay. that. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is true. No, well, what you make, what you say makes sense. Um, but I'm am a classic example of a reluctant adopter. And when I adopt, I, I probably go for a hundred. They're called 10, laggards. It. it took me ages to get. I only got my, my um, I had film cameras until about four years ago. Really? Yeah. I loved film cameras. Yeah, I still me too. Love, I like. That, but, I like the feeling of it. And like, I thought know. I would hate a digital. And as soon as I sent my first photo off to a magazine as a digital, I thought, oh, this is, why didn't I do this before? Yeah, it's so much easier. I don't have to go to the post office, queue up in Italy four hours at the post office to send uh, the photo, get it printed. Uh, 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 okay. no. So, no, so no. Um, I, I get I get where you're coming from. I'm a Luddite. you know a Luddite. Is. I do. I do. Yeah, you're just going to give me some tips next time on how I can look more hipsterish. You'd look hipsterish. Do you reckon? Yeah, I, mean, yeah I think I? you look totally hipsterish. I've got yeah, a shirt yeah. on. You don't wear shirts. Hipsters don't wear shirts. Do do they? It's untucked. You're laid back. You're relaxed. you got like, the good like grab yeah, yeah the stubble that, yeah I want to get, what's that beard thing at the bottom of the shoe soul chin? patch a soul patch yeah s-o-l-e no soul like in soul music oh as not okay yeah like as in, as in R&B and soul uh, music right? yeah that's, right. <laughs> that's just, uh, I just want to say um, thanks to my guest today on the Italian Wine Podcast Paul Maybrick, the digital futurist he's also an expert on facial hair we'll do a little bit more about that I can't wait to do that one on the next show we do together it's been a real pleasure talking to you I've learned a lot my brother thank you so much thanks oh, a lot for coming thank you brother
0: Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.